1: This is the Starting Little Warcast. Co-Commander Dave Chavins. Present. Co-Commander Tom. co Robot.
2: Present.
1: We are calculating our
3: descent into your speaker state. Stand up.
4: Explorers! Welcome back to the Starfield Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with Dave, my co-host, and we're still doing some lore-free episodes, or at least spoiler-free episodes for any of the more interesting, deeper aspects of the game. And this week, we have some guests with us. Dave, first of all, welcome back to the show. How's it going?
1: It's going great. I've been eating a lot of space meat, big old chunky meat in the square, just down the gullet (laughs) into the stomach and out the other chute, you know? You're
4: You're a chunk pirate. Chunk mm, I'm a Chonk Pirate. Mm, chonky Pirates. Uh, welcome back, Dave. Uh, we have two very awesome guests with us this week, the first of whom is a man who has probably played more Skyrim than Todd Howard himself. He's a YouTuber and a Twitch streamer, Zero Period Productions. George, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me.
5: I, it's been really nice. The past few weeks, it's probably been the least that I've played Skyrim in years now. So it's... A little weird going back to Skyrim, going like between Starfield and Skyrim, but it, it's been nice having a little bit more of a change of pace lately.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, it's it's always fun when Bethesda finally launches another game and we get to do something new, right? So, yeah. absolutely. Our other guest this week is the guy behind Chad of Fallout 76 podcast and Fallout for Hope and a bunch of other cool things that I'm sure he's going to share with us, Ken Vigu, welcome back to the show, or welcome Thank to you. the show. I, you never joined us for the early episodes, did you? No, I, did I don't not. think you did. Yeah, so welcome to the show for the first time. You've been on some of my other shows, like the Fallout yeah. Orchestra. We, you, and Dave and I used to do the Fallout Hub together back in the day.
3: Until we killed it. We, we killed it with so, a gun. We were all so young. <laughs> when we were, but we you lads. I think we jumped the shark uh, when the meta experience of being in the vault didn't work anymore (laughs) when
4: we kind of stopped doing that
1: that was I mean that was a very specific pandemic thing but then the pandemic was over and everybody was was re-emerging and we're like oh well we still you know we're still here yeah yeah (laughs) we're just here
4: well welcome back to the show or welcome to the show I keep saying back because you and I keep have done so many uh shows together but welcome to the show Ken um so here here's what we're gonna do for this episode today I want to discuss with each of you some of your favorite experiences in Starfield, some of your compare and contrast, but because both of you are big Bethesda fans as much as Dave and I are. You've played a lot of the other games uh Elder Scrolls, Fallout. where do you want where do we want to start with this i actually I think I think where I want to start is I want to hear some of your funnest stories, like weird situations you've run into in Starfield so far. George, do you have something that you'd like to share with us?
5: I'm sure a lot of the random encounters I've come across are probably some of the more common ones at this point, but I'm always just amazed by how many I'm running into and then getting to share with my friends like, oh, did you find this? And then we get to like talk about our different experiences. The uh the your warranty is run out. We need you to buy the extended warranty uh random ship finding yeah. A space station that was a casino where they've lost all gravity and you got to navigate your way through it. It's finding all these random things in between the quests that like really bring this life to the game. That makes it absolutely just incredible and feels so lived in to me.
4: The extended warranty one I haven't run into myself, but I saw somebody post about it on Reddit and they got bought...
5: The, the two hundred thousand. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> Because what happens is you you meet this spaceship, right? And they're like, "Hey, they, they sell you on the extended warranty, which is garbage because it always is." Like everybody's getting any those crank phone calls, or I mean, semi legit phone calls. I don't even know. Uh, but it, they offer you a selection of different tiers of your warranty. One's like fifty thousand creds. The next one's like a hundred thousand. And then the top tier, the most popular option as marketers like to say, is the 200,000 creds. And they went ahead and bought it, and they it basically, they give them like a, a data sheet or something there. Like you don't get anything from it, which is <laughs> awesome. Like,
5: contact your like nearest like quality assurance representative right. or whatever, yeah.
4: Right, it's so good because it's like, Space oh, Meineke there goes my money. Ken? Space Meineke mufflers. Right, right. Yeah, so some of those fun uh, experiences, uh, and what's neat about it is that different people, uh, depending on how long you've played and how much you've delved into some of that side content, we all have different stories with stuff we've run into. Like you mentioned the casino one. Uh, My wife has been playing in the evenings when she gets back from work, and I've been watching her play, and she ran into the casino thing, and I'd never seen that. And I was... Like there is a lot of asset creation in this game, right? You've got all these different locations, the main cities, the different objects that you come across, the different spaceships, the there's so much, the different flora and fauna on the different planets. But then she's like, oh, I found a casino ship and the entire inside of the ship looks like nothing else I've seen in the game anywhere else. Did you did you notice that? It's so
5: luxurious. But yeah, the amount of tile sets in the game is just ridiculous
4: yeah it's it's so crazy. Ken did you come across either of these things? I did yeah uh,
3: I was I found the casino sh- uh, ship and I thought that was kind of random and the zero gravity, but you're right. the design of that one is quite different. Um, it's almost over the top in terms of luxury with with brass and beautiful polished wood uh, no gravity anywhere. Uh, I hacked the computer and and got me some some money, which was nice but The zero gravity fight in there was so much fun. So much fun, that was a blast.
4: Yeah, that was another thing I've seen people commenting online about is why isn't there more zero G combat in this game? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's some, right? There's some, like, I guess it depends on how much you play through and what things you do. a little bit more. But more would be great, right? Because it's actually pretty cool to float around and in 3D space and like, you know, like, hover past a pillar in order to take cover rather than dodging behind a desk, you know?
3: Especially when you get phenomenal cosmic powers and you're like, Fu-srada! and you just throw <laughs> someone back into the atmosphere,
4: in right. zero gravity. Right. Yeah. Man, there's so many fun things. And this is part of where I want to go with this conversation, too. And, and maybe we'll get into more of this in the second half of the episode. But where you see this game expanding. In either DLC content or modding in the community and those kinds of things. Um, And I've got some ideas, but I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too. But first, Ken, do you have any fun stories about like side stuff you've run into?
3: Yeah. uh, Well, the casino ship was one. Uh, It wasn't really a a side quest, but it was something that is incredibly memorable. So I followed the main quest, um, got to Neon. And we we had to to meet up with our contact to get one of the artifacts the way in which uh, it's all very cloak and dagger stuff and you're negotiating and then there's some twists and turns there Um, when you're trying to escape uh, from an elevator and not die, there's a lot of sneaking around moments in there navigating through air ducts uh, and trying not to get caught and between like, the music and the vibe of the Astral Lounge, um, it was almost like Deus Ex uh, made sweet love to Dishonored
4: yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and
3: spit out that particular quest. It was such a fun mix of familiar things that I've been through before. Uh, that so far is, is one of the, the best main quest little nuggets that I've been on that I really enjoyed.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that, too. And once I realized if I took off my space suit, I, space suit, I would sneak better. Uh, right. Things got a lot easier. People stopped the 20 seeing pound me. space spacesuit Right. Right. I'm like, well, I'm so sneaky. Why does everybody sing me? I mentioned this on the last walking episode around like a big. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm walking around in a big old spacesuit. Um yeah, the, the, uh, I've enjoyed the diversity of um, scenarios and it feels to me so far, and this isn't too spoilery, that in each of the different quest lines, they kind of focus in on maybe even different gameplay mechanics, not only in different scenarios, but you have, you know, Ryujin, which tends to be more stealth focused, although you don't have to do everything stealthy. And then, you know, some of the like the, the Free Star stuff kind of has its own focus with like hunting down. Uh, pirates and figuring out, you know, what's actually going on with this scenario that you're in and then the UC stuff seems to be a little bit more I don't know, alien inspired maybe.
5: Very much so, I would agree.
4: Yeah, yeah. And uh, hopefully that's not too spoilery, but it's to say that like if you enjoy one of those types of scenarios or are hoping something like that's in the game and you haven't tried it yet, Try out a bunch of different stuff. Like go through the different main quest lines and see which ones really resonate with you, and maybe tackle those ones first. Um, where speaking of that, George, what what content in this game really resonates with you the most?
5: I, I've really enjoyed the factions, and I haven't even finished all of them yet. I've finished uh, UC Van, yeah, UC Vanguard, Free Star Rangers, and this really isn't going into spoilers so much as it is just about like the general lore of the universe looking at these factions i'm really glad that they didn't set the game in the middle of the colony wars and rather that's a not so distant piece of history and we're kind of seeing like the effects of it not just through like the context of the factions but also just like talking to our different companions different people in the world and kind of rather than being a part of that ourselves just seeing how that has shaped so much more of the universe and then these characters' interactions. I think that was a really good move on Bethesda's part, especially given that we just had the Civil War in Skyrim. Yeah. So rather than having almost like, it, it wouldn't have been a rehash, but rather than having some of those same story beats, getting something a little bit more like aftermath-based.
4: Right. It also lends to giving the game a lived in feel, even though it's the first game in the series. This is something else I've mentioned before. When they when we jump into a new Fallout game or a new Elder Scrolls game, we've got decades of lore and contents that we know about those worlds, or at least that can get alluded to, even if that's your first experience in that world. So they feel really deep. I remember jumping into Oblivion back in the late 2000s and at that time, there was still already a series of Elder Scrolls stuff out there with a bunch of deep lore, and it felt like a very lived in world. And so, uh, to your point, I think that gives this game a sense of that. Like, we know it's a few hundred years in the future, but what about recent stuff that people are still talking about? You know, 20 years ago, oh, yeah, I was a member of the, you know, this side of the conflict, and I've still got, you know, stuff going on because of that. And that absolutely plays out into the game, and I think it, it benefits from that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when it comes to the conversation stuff, uh, because the conversation part of this game is, uh, it it feels like it pulls from other things Bethesda's done in the past, but kind of is unique in its own way. Would you agree? Like, how, how, tell me about your experience with the conversation system. Do, do you like the way that this is working? Do you do you engage with all the extra options? Like, how, what do you what do you think, George?
5: I'm very glad that they went back to the unvoiced protagonist. I'm biased there because it makes my life easier for videos for streaming. And then also it's going to be much easier for quest mods down the line. But for me, I feel like I can insert myself into that character so much more like being the voice for my character. So I'm really happy they went back to that. I remember a video maybe like a year or two ago where they talked about how their persuasion system was at least partially inspired by the oblivion persuasion and i can definitely see that even in the way that sometimes the persuasion options don't always make sense with what the character says afterwards so <laughs> right, it kind of right. reminds me a lot of um what i enjoyed about oblivion some of the weird like misaligned things at times too
4: yeah yeah it, it had a little bit of that weird kind of jank in it like we built a system but uh, you're gonna use it so much you're gonna start to notice the seams yeah
1: yeah. yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. And if I'm failing a, a persuasion rule, one thing that they need to add is just like an increasingly frowning face, like in oblivion, <laughs> you go talk person, and they'd have or a normal face, like, and they'd recognize you, and they'd be like,
4: Hmm. Yeah. Those frowning faces in oblivion were great. Absolutely. Oh. Ken, what are your thoughts on the, the dialogue system with the conversations and things?
3: You know, you, we talked about this last time, but the, the dialogue I feel is so much more grounded in reality, in a lot of ways, than what we've had even in Fallout and Skyrim, um, a lot of times the companions will just randomly start talking on their own, and it's all very real-world stuff. Like I, I travel a lot with Sam Coe, um, and he's he's having conversations with his daughter, and you know, reminding her to pick stuff up and not be bothering people, and you know, on the surface, it's seemingly completely inconsequential conversation. But it creates and builds such a beautifully real dynamic in terms of the kind of conversation that a father would be having with his daughter, you know, while struggling with all sorts of thoughts about, should I be traveling with her? Am I doing the right thing? And I don't know the, the vulnerability there and concern about, um, his past and how she would look up to him or Or not based on things that he'd done before is just some beautiful realness I think they did a really great job particularly a lot of the companions are written just exceptionally well
4: yeah I feel like each of the companions and each of the people at constellation have a very firmly distinct personality they all feel even the ones that you can't bring with you like when you go back and talk to them again you're like oh yeah you're like a real person like, there's not a part of me that goes, oh, you're the cardboard cutout that we have to go talk to because me and my real yeah. companion are doing real things out here in the universe.
3: Or you're the co- the comic relief, like where Fallout is, is a lot of time as dark humor in it. There's, some of the characters are just strictly like caricatures as opposed to like a really fleshed out person that you'd encounter in the real world.
4: Right, right. You know, speaking of comic relief and the tone of this game compared to other Bethesda games, I've seen people comment on how Starfield is different. I mean, it's still a very dangerous place. It's the Wild West out there. There's spacers and mercenaries and pirates, and there's a bunch of terrible things. People, you know, have their homesteads being attacked, and science labs are being ransacked, and spaceships are being abducted, and you have to do all of that stuff. Do you feel like this game, Ken, and especially as somebody who writes? Things you're a writer. Do you feel like this game still has more of a hopeful tint in the in the tone than something like Fallout or Elder Scrolls? Like I feel like those games are darker. Do you agree? Yeah. With Fallout, you're you're dealing with
3: everything is gone, so your your story is one that that's firmly based in survival or even trying to maintain humanity in the face of scenarios that it's very hard to be human when you're in a survival scenario, you oftentimes make very gray, dark decisions because we're talking about life and death. With Starfields, you know, we're we're coming into the game at a point in time where we were exploring and then we stopped. And it could be that we're just weary from war, that we've kind of lost our our sense of hope and wonder and hunger for exploration and then you come along with these phenomenal cosmic powers and these (laughs) magic paperweights and all of a sudden it's like well maybe there's something more it starts to to present maybe a little bit more uh hopeful vision for where humanity is headed
4: yeah it kind of reignites
1: that flame yeah dave yeah i still think that they they ground that as well of it's it's not necessarily like fallout or skyrim there's like there's like two opposing forces but at the same time like where you're seeing that that like oh there's hope in the stars there's kind of that that famous william shatner reaction to actually going out into space when he came back down and he was like yeah i really hated that um that was literally the most depressing terrible experience of my life because there is just nothing out there. Like it is just black space and it is absolutely terrifying. So there's like, there's almost like this, like absolute terror that comes along with that, like sense of exploration. It's like, we're going to go out there and find stuff, but also crazy aliens. And like, what is your meaning in this universe? It's pretty much nothing.
3: Yeah. It's also uh, another cool thing about that too, is, is when you get to the point where you unlock powers when you go back to constellation the reactions are very real unlike fallout you know where you're you're pounding mutation serums and schnickety schnick um i'm wolverine with <laughs> these bone claws or you know i'm a marsupial or if you get too close to me i have diseases like i'm, I'm a walking leper like nobody really reacts to that in fallout we're in this you're like Oh my god what the hell is wrong with you like you've <laughs> right. got you've you've got powers and get away from you're a weirdo what is going on like what is this
4: yeah yeah it, it is a little bit more grounded in that way what do you yeah. think george do you, do you feel that this is a more hopeful tone in general
5: i would say so i coming from once again both the elder Scrolls and fallout which we're at the point now where both franchises are dealing with a lot of Kind of downturns in society or in the state of the world fallout obviously in a much clearer way but even with the elder scrolls i think even starting with the elder Scrolls one arena and going through that five series of games chronologically it's the downturn of the Septim empire from uh the beginning of arena through the end of oblivion and we're almost dealing with this not as blatantly post-apocalyptic world by Skyrim, but very much a world that is suffering much, much more than it was like the two hundred years prior, and it's in decline. Absolutely, oh, you've got like the breaking so, yeah. of the
4: towers and the world. But the running gag between Lotus and I, my co-host on the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, is like, "We love this world, but dear God, I'm so glad I don't live there." <laughs> you know, like it is a <laughs> horror it's scape worse and worse. Right, and it's just like being a mortal in Tamriel is the most terrifying thing that could possibly happen. And Fallout's not that far different. It's a terrible existence for the majority of the people who live in this in this universe. So, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with what you're saying.
5: Yeah. I mean, what with Starfield? you have so many people who are still like looking for these new settlements, looking for these new homes. You have people who are, you know, much more uh, hopeful. And even with the the consequences of the colony war, you have so many people who are like looking to the future and looking towards what is ultimately a brighter future for them,
4: yeah. and it still seems to be grounded in reality. You have these locations which seem to be. Uh, ideal on the surface and then you go underneath a little bit and things are darker than they're presented, yep. which seems to be just a running theme in reality, like the just nature of new society Atlantis
5: versus going down to the well.
4: Right. Or or even just the top of neon and the, the ebb, uh, ebb side or whatever it's called, you know, like neon's not Nearly as, you know, cleaned up as some somewhere like pristine as New Atlantis. But you'd still want to be one of the people who lives closer to the surface than underneath. Um, But that's the nature of like human beings throughout most of our history is that there's a few elites who end up living these more pristine lifestyles. But everybody else is down in the muck doing the hard work and living, you know, difficult lives. And it the game presents that. But you're right. There's this hopefulness. And I think something occurred to me. Do you guys run into grandma yet?
5: A couple times. Yep.
4: Okay. There's something that hit me when I ran into grandma and I, you know, you go over on her ship and you have a meal with her. And one of the conversation pieces is like, well, what are you doing out here? Don't you know it's dangerous? And she's like, I'm not too worried about it. I invested in a, a, a good grav drive and some really strong shields. And if there's any danger, I just get out of there. And I think, like, that That perspective is different than anything you can have in the other two games. If you're in a dangerous situation, you come across a death claw in Fallout, and you're a settler just trying to, like, farm your land, you're screwed. You don't just, like, power up your grab drive and jump away. <laughs> like, there's nothing you can do. The same thing happens in Elder Scrolls. Unless you're some powerful wizard who can teleport yourself across the continent when you're in a dangerous situation, you're screwed if the, you know, all of a sudden, Mehrudin's Dagon's, like, you know, throwing daedra at you or whatever um but in this scenario you can have grandmas (laughs) retired going around exploring things and living out their retirement in a you know in a kind of a fun way and it's not to say that there's no dangers for grandma but at least it 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 does feel a little bit more safer in that way
3: and also if anybody heard space grandma I am coming for you <laughs>
4: don't hurt space grandma <laughs> I think nice I play lady.
1: too chaotic so I haven't gotten that Um, I don't think that the game has wanted to give me space grandma yet because I'm just I'm too terrible
4: <laughs> so I think Dave you're probably the only one among the four of us who's playing kind of a darker take I would assume both George and Ken you guys are tend to be on the more morally positive side of things is that true You usually usually okay Okay.
3: I'm living in the gray I, I i usually play as a as an awful human being the first playthrough of, of any new bethesda game but then i got to Sidonia and there was a kid who was like sad because her dad died and she wanted me to hang posters and i'm like god damn it okay fine
4: <laughs> okay so you guys are more gray. i've been trying to be good and upstanding i try like i still feel bad when i'm like in somebody's ship or something and on the way out i'm like yeah i'll help you out i'll help you cool yeah let's work together and then on the way out i'm like oh there's some creds on the desk over there (laughs) sneak (laughs) i'm like oh i didn't need i didn't need the creds come on but okay yep yep so that's kind of how i've been playing um it's just a snack i can (laughs)
5: usually justify taking creds because things add up so quickly in the game i burn through ammo so every time i stop anywhere I'm just burning through my credits on ammo, so I'll take whatever I can find. I'll take whatever's not nailed down.
4: Interesting. Yeah, I feel like there's, like, my dilemma is that's how RPGs are, right? Like, you go to a place, and even if you're the good guy talking to nice people at that place, everything in that room is put there by the developers because you should probably take it, It's right? yours. <laughs> it's by yours. By yeah it's, it's yours. Like, everyone's just going to take stuff. But there's part of me that goes, yeah, but my character wouldn't steal from grandma on my way out of her spaceship so there's this weird like i don't know moral dilemma
1: this is where a bad character comes in you don't have to play with that dissonance you're just like oh yeah it's just me this is my universe i'm just going around doing whatever i need to do um you know oh maybe you get like you get really close with the companion and they're like oh we're just in it we are so in love with you and you're just the best thing ever i want to spend the rest of my life with you mm-hmm. but then you accidentally bring them on one of your like binge trips um <laughs> to go do some pirating and they're like we need to
3: talk
4: come home <laughs> yeah do you feel like so I, th- this is where this is kind of going like the companions all tend to be fairly upstanding people who absolutely revolts if you do anything like past a certain line, right? They're just like, nope, that's no good. Not at all. Do we need evil companions? Or at least more morally gray companions?
5: I think we needed non-Constellation companions. I think that's one of the things where I like that they are tied to the main story and the main faction, but I feel like we could have used a few other like fully-fledged companions even with the romance and stuff like that maybe one from each of the other joinable factions or something along those lines because like you said they all kind of have the same reactions i finished the uc vanguard and i made a choice and none of them agreed with it and i felt like i was taking crazy pills or that they were on crazy pills because they were all taking such issue with my choice and i'm sitting here going no one wants to talk about this like in more depth than them just saying, like, you're wrong. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sure.
4: Right. Sometimes in these games you have justifications. You're like, this seems like a bad choice, but I'm actually I actually have a positive justification for it. And if we could just talk it out, maybe I could convince you all, but you don't the have that. This doesn't even seem
5: bad. Like the, right. the choice seemed very not clear-cut, but to me it seemed like it's like this is the the easier one, or this is the one that maybe is a little bit more of a a safe guarantee, mm-hmm. and all of them are just like you're stupid for doing that. I'm just sitting here going, <laughs> what? What happened? Did we listen to the same quest giver for this? Right. Yeah, I don't try to defend myself at all.
1: Like, <laughs> they'll come to me and they'll be like, oh, "Hey, I didn't agree with how you did that," and I'm like, "Okay." Oh yeah, maybe you're right. And they're like, "You should have done it this way." I'm like, "I'm sorry, I was being stupid, guys. Just kidding." <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, great. Just we like prank, you a lot YouTube better prank. now."
4: <laughs> Ken, did you want to add something? yeah well going back to Fallout 3
3: think of how the companions were structured in that game i mean, the very first companion that you can even meet is someone that you can't get unless you're a complete bastard like Jericho you have to be an inhuman monster character before he's like yeah let's go out there my kind of guy yeah let's go kill some stuff yeah (laughs) yeah we don't we don't have
4: that like we we don't have that at all we
3: need No, we need like a a, just a character that you can't even like romance or or, like or travel with who, you know.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I I could totally see a pirate one, uh, a mercenary one. Yeah. Um, and like different shades of, like everything from like sneak, a chaotic evil, evil to yeah. Yeah. A Varun one, um, to like, just like shades of gray and maybe, maybe even more minute differences. Like maybe some of them are cool with you attacking certain types of factions or certain factions that they are against and stealing their stuff and taking their ships and killing people. But if you fight other factions, they're like, Oh, I don't like that or whatever. And then some of them are just like, yeah, burn it all down. <laughs> just like, Hey, you
3: need a varoon companion where you could you know cuddle in the shape of an ouroboros yeah there you go okay that's you
4: know <laughs> or i'm sure that's coming with the dlc that's a yoga move right i think that's what shattered <laughs> that's universe is
5: yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing about the dlc i'm really hoping they go the house run route with it because it feels like one of those kind of big mysteries that we see
4: something that's being set up yeah well tell you what let's talk about dlc and other things that you guys think we need to see in the game in the future but first we have to go thank our patrons so we'll be right back All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and this is a reminder if you'd like to support the show, get ad free episodes. All sorts of other stuff like joining us next week for our patron chat, which is coming up and it's going to be on Monday night. Normally we record the show on Thursdays, but we'll be we will be doing our patron chat on Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern and you're welcome to join us head over to patreon.com slash You can check out all the different tiers and things you get and you can be like Jonathan R, our newest patron. Welcome to the Patreon or our uh, let's just call them um, Space Lords. That's the title. It's our tier five patrons, our Space Lords, our uh, tier four, tier five. I don't remember the numbers, but well, thank you to Commander Marcus Shepard and Jonathan R., our newest patron, for supporting us at that level. Uh, if you are a space pirate or higher, space pirate or space lord, then you can join us for the patron chat. You can tie your Account to our discord and then on our discord we will send out notifications and the zoom link for the chat And we can all discuss what the topic is going to be of this month all of that stuff So go check that out also If you'd like to help out the show in other ways leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts is a wonderful way to do it We have two new ones this week that came in this one's from Johnny Gunner 101 in the United States who writes Awesome as always, just like I wrote in my review for your Elder Scrolls lore cast, this is right there for me. A nice blend of information and fun. I was a late bloomer for Bethesda games. I was introduced to them for Fallout 4, but fell in love with Bethesda with Skyrim. So when it comes to Starfield, my hope is to be there from the start, and I'm glad you guys have these shows for us fans to follow along with. Please don't ever change for any reason. Thanks again. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much, Johnny. And then one more. This one comes from Starlord, also in the United States, who writes, awesome show! Couple of nerds. Nerds giving me a way to think about video games at work big fan I think you just defined podcasts which is yeah which is awesome at their
5: core yeah
4: yeah at their core that's what it is nerds talking about a thing that you can enjoy while you're at work Um, but thank you for taking the time to leave those reviews also if you listen to the show on Spotify you can rate the show there you can leave little comments on each of the episodes and all of that is helpful tell your friends tell your family any of that we appreciate the support and we couldn't do it without you all right let's move on with the rest of the show Yeah, Dave's space music is always very good.
1: Well, sometimes you play the old space music, which has its own um, its own different kind of flavors that we're talking about that may not have uh, seasoned correctly.
4: Uh, but that, that one's good. That one's a good transitional. All right. Let's talk about DLC. Let's talk about things that you want to see people modding into the game. Uh, George, you mentioned a Verun DLC. I feel like that's I, there's a part of me that's like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely what they're going to do. Right. Like that seems obvious
5: it, it seems like the obvious choice and with the name shattered space there's two ways i can see it going i can see it going towards house varoon because we know they're somewhere hidden in space where we don't know how to find them it's hard to track them down or i can see shattered space just having to be something more in line with expanding on the uh, the main story i am very much hoping and i've been saying this for years now I've been saying this, I said it with Skyrim, I said it with Fallout 4, I want the DLC level of support to be more Fallout 3 than anything else, because Fallout 3, we had five full DLCs, one being an expansion for the main story, and I loved that, and I want that level of ongoing support, because I think there is so much more that can be added, there's already so much there, but there are so many different ways where I can imagine them adding this entire story, that entire story, and I'm happy to like keep paying for more and more of that.
4: Yeah, you know, one of the things I'm concerned with when it comes to Bethesda, and I don't think I'm alone on this, is it's going to be a number of years until we get the next Elder Scrolls game. Then it's yep. going to be another set number of years until we get the next Fallout game. And if you add, if, if that's on average five years, four to five years, four to five years, and then another four to five years before we get a Starfield sequel, we're now looking... 15 years into the future and that seems untenable at some point because i don't want to be like (laughs) i'm at i'm at a security at that point right like i'm at a you know i've been an adult for a while now i don't want to have to wait until like my latter years of adulthood in order to play the sequel to this game um so one of the thoughts i had was I know DLC is one of those things that some people buy it and some people don't. It's a, it's a percentage of the total, but if people still continue buying DLC, what harm is there in setting aside a part of the studio to make four or five DLCs or more? What if, what happens if four years from now people still want more Starfield content and they don't want to wait another decade to get some why? And, And to that point, like why aren't we getting like we got the start with the uh, Skyrim anniversary update, which added new content to the game, right? And that was awesome. Lots of people bought it, lots of people played through that new content. Why aren't we seeing more of that? That would be amazing. What, what happens five years from now? Why maybe we get another Starfield DLC? Maybe it's a big DLC, maybe it's a standalone thing that expands the game in some direction but ties back into the main game and isn't a full sequel, it's just a continuation of a story. How would you guys feel about that?
1: I mean, if you're talking about like how this game has been released um, through Games Pass, through the services that it, you know, it's already on, it is a flagship title for Microsoft. Now, it's probably, in all honesty, looking at the sales numbers, looking at some of the different stuff, putting on my little green analytics cap here. Um, it, it, it's going to be what sells the microsoft ecosystem so i could i could pretty much guarantee that they're going to be supporting this longer than most games because this is their their flagship thing like this is what you think of like how they do sea of thieves where like every year there's probably like what was it secret among the island was like the latest one they did this Mm -hmm. summer yeah like. I can see I could see them doing something like that for Starfield. Hey, every summer for the next like four years, we're going to have something that's like, oh, here's this section of space or here's like 20 new star systems. It focuses on this story. We're adding in, you know, other stuff with it. But having that level of support running through makes sense for a game that's on a service that you're trying to sell.
4: Yeah, I agree. And I I wouldn't expect all of it to be free, you know, maybe some minor updates and of course patches and things like that. But if they're adding in like, you know, a big house Varun like whole side quest of series of stuff and another eight hours or 10 hours of content, I'd be happy to pay for that in order to play through that content and to have that kind of metered out in a way that's a little bit different than they've done for these other games, but kind of a continuous thing. Like if people buy it, do another one. People buy that one, do the next one. They've they've kept Fallout 76 alive, and yeah, that's more of a live service game. But they keep on talking about more content for that as well. I I don't see a harm in doing that unless it starts losing money. But if it keeps the IP, and I, I guess some there's some concern that maybe you burn out people on it. Oh, they're getting too much of this. They're not interested anymore. So maybe, maybe another option is you do the first two years of DLC that was probably already planned. You take a few years off and then maybe four or five years later, you, you know, you, you drop another huge DLC bomb onto this game. And then people go, oh, this is fun. I can play it. And the technology is good enough that even five years from now, we're not going to come back and be like, oh, this thing, this feels like playing Morrowind. Like it's, <laughs> it's still going to hold up, you know?
3: Yeah. You know what I'd love to see? And this is going to be a little contentious. But Fallout 76 has kind of spoiled me. I really, really, really miss multiplayer.
4: Yeah. Being able to yeah. play
3: this universe with other friends would be
4: great. So, okay. So we know that Zenimax is working on another MMO for a, it's unnamed for some IP they haven't mentioned. What's the chance that it's a Starfield MMO?
5: That's the speculation I always see. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Do you think that's that's a reality would you like that or do we want something that feels more like Fallout 76 because of the way the mechanics and the game work
5: I think even just from a tech perspective they would have to do a different gameplay loop from what Starfield itself is I don't know if it would translate as well to the Fallout 76 method where Fallout 76 is very similar to Fallout 4 And part of that's just because of knowing how vast Starfield is and thinking about the fact that so much of the time MMOs are aimed more so at a lot of different uh, types of hardware for lower-end hardware, medium-end hardware, whereas Starfield in its current state, not so much. Um,
4: Yeah,
5: yeah. I, I think one of the reasons why a lot of people like ESO as well is because it's different because it doesn't feel like they're just going and playing Skyrim again Yeah, that was the big
4: complaint early on is that it didn't feel like Skyrim Skyrim and that turned people off
5: but now nine years later I'm also very glad that oh okay I can play Skyrim and that feels like Skyrim I can play ESO and it's the same universe but it's something different I was playing if I was playing both games and they both felt the same I feel like I would get burnt out a lot faster
4: okay Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I guess you can make the same comparison between Fallout 4 and 76. Yeah. Is that functionally, they feel very similar. Obviously, VATS works a little different in both. But otherwise, you're picking up weapons, you're shooting enemies, you're collecting the stuff. And it's a it's a one-to-one aim at an enemy, shoot them in the head, they get hit in the head, they take damage, they fall down. You know, whereas um, with an MMO, the combat system is always a little bit less live, <laughs> even if you're yeah. not tab-targeting. In ESO, there's still that, like, you shoot your arrow from anywhere, and as long as the enemy's highlighted, it, it hits the enemy. Even if it has to curve in, like, a way that defies physics, it still hits the enemy. Um, you know, like, and there's something that's a little goofy about that, but you're right. The focus isn't so much on, like, aiming that headshot. It's more about what gear do I have, and am I pushing my buttons in the right order?
1: it's It's, all about boost packs man once you get down to it it's all about like how how boosted are you how juiced up are you before you go out there and start causing havoc you know what i mean
4: (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh yeah okay so wait are you saying that in an mmo or multiplayer version of starfield that you would absolutely need boost packs
5: I mean, that's the first thing that matters. I would agree. Yeah, right. That's the thing that
1: sets it apart from, I think, the other Bethesda games in terms of combat, especially from like Fallout. If you're just running around on the ground and shooting guns and stuff, it feels it feels very similar. If they were to make a Fallout five, like the gunplay would be pretty much similar. I think that the boost pack is where you kind of like move that out ship combats where you kind of move that out. But I really, I really don't think that they'll do anything multiplayer with Cinemax because this is Todd Howard's baby. He has wanted to make this game for years. And I think, you know, until he retires, It's pride from my cold, dead
5: hands, please. They're very (laughs) protective of their IPs. Yeah. Yeah. Even with Zenimax, they have to get the approval of everything they do in ESO lore-wise.
4: Yeah, it took a lot of effort in order to get that greenlit, from what I understand. Uh, So, yeah, that might be the case. So I don't know then what the other MMO might be. Maybe it's a Doom MMO. That would be kind of cool.
5: Even for Zenimax, I can see it being the thing of... You know, they've been playing in the Elder Scrolls Sandbox and someone else's sandbox for so long, I can see them wanting to do their own thing and not have to play by someone else's rules and lore and really get to kind of like mm-hmm. do everything
4: on their own. That makes sense. That there is more freedom. Jaws the MMO. Jaws. There you go. <laughs> That's the
3: next thing they're working
4: on. You play as I'm Jaws or are you just fighting sharks?
3: You know, you can play as either. We're the sharks. You know, if you want to, you (laughs) could play Quint, (laughs) and you could sit at a table and wax poetic, or, you know, you can be the shark.
4: Yeah, well, we're getting close to the end of the show. I want to ask you one more question, each of you, and we'll start with Ken. Ken, if you could add one thing to this game, whether it be in a DLC or in a mod, what is your number one thing that you would add into Starfield?
3: Hmm...
4: Are we thinking like character or what?
3: I want a DLC mm-hmm. where you go on vacation on one of the cruise liners that we haven't really seen, or at least I haven't seen yet, and it's a murder mystery. I want a murder mystery on a boat. I have to solve. Give me that. <laughs> that
4: that me sounds that. very similar to something else you've been, uh, I don't know, a throwing boat out there ship? recently. Hmm. Mm, okay, yeah. yeah, that sounds fun. I like that idea, George.
5: Oh, uh, for me, and usually the first thing I always want is more quests and more stories. I want more shipbuilding. I want to either have like more options, maybe a couple other manufacturers, and that can be done uh, through like just mini DLCs, the way that they did the settlement system DLCs for Fallout 4. But
4: Or the, the Mechanist stuff with the robots. The Mechanist yeah. stuff.
5: Yeah. I'm really enjoying the shipbuilding. I, I can barely afford it, but I'm really enjoying it. And I feel like long-term, that's where so much my focus is going to be on the game.
4: Okay, cool, cool. Well, thank you for joining us. This has been a fun conversation. It's always fun to chat with you guys. And uh, tell you what, before we wrap up the show, why don't we share how people can check out the things that you're working on or things that you're excited that you're currently doing. George, where can people find your stuff?
5: Uh, people can find me on YouTube or on Twitch as Zero Period Productions. Uh, the exact link is the number zero the word period and productions longest username in the world and I should have changed it years ago but here we are living with the consequences of my actions
4: (laughs) yep yep do you have anything cool that you're currently working on that you're excited Uh,
5: on YouTube still working on more and more Skyrim stuff been getting back into Starfield videos there was a little bit of a break there just because of how much time you have to put into Starfield to really find the things that you want to cover in the first place. Yes. But yeah. getting back into that and just having an absolute blast with and playing through it.
4: Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Ken, where can people check out your stuff and what do you have going on? Um, You can find me on all of the
3: socials, uh, chat of at 76 podcast. Uh, right now, we are incredibly busy. I haven't had any time to play Starfield uh, because we're in go mode. So we've got two mini sodes coming out. Uh, for Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast uh, that are in final editing. Um, a big, big episode that sees uh, Pete Hines' his character come back, the judge, uh, for a very Empire Strikes Back moment uh, that's going to change our story in a big way by the time we get to the end of that episode. Uh, and then right now I'm working on our Halloween episode, which I'm really excited about. Uh, a little ditty called Little Shop,
4: Little Sanctuary of horrors nice nice now I know you do have something to do with this like Starfield podcast thing too what's that about Yep. so the other thing that
3: we're uh, that is currently in production uh, so with a team of now uh, 12 different writers we have frontier stories from Starfield it's a sci-fi anthology podcast that we're gonna be releasing um, each episode will have a little bit of a different flavor a different spin different author um, it's a little bit Twilight Zone, a little bit Outer Limits, and the stories are so good. There's some really exceptional voice talent, um, really, really great writers. And a really it, it ranges anywhere from from real drama to some eldritch horrors. Perfect. Um, awesome. Covers
4: the Gambit. Yeah, people are going to enjoy it. That's so cool. Well, thank you for joining us, Dave. Yeah. I know you've got other stuff. What do you have going on?
1: Yeah, I've got uh, Rad Rolls running the uh, limited series uh, Starfield one shot that we've done. Um, I think this week uh, you will see my character do a bit of a uh, heel turn. And uh, instead of trying to salvage a ship, we will then be trying to steal the ship and uh, not worry about the mysteries of the ghost ship. I'm not worried about the mysteries of the ghost ship. Just trying to steal the ghost ship itself do not worry about the mystery meat the strange lotions that maybe have some legal dispute around them don't worry about that just go listen to brad rolls it's on all the podcast services youtube all that jazz. Great TTRPG fun if you like actual play.
4: Awesome, awesome. All of the podcasts and stuff that you've heard about, you can if whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on, you, you can look it up there. Uh, you can always check out, I think everybody's got YouTube channels, so just search stuff. Google it, it'll come up. I'm sure you'll find things. If you're looking for my stuff, uh, the Fallout Lorecast, Elder Scrolls Lorecast, Lord of the Rings Lorecast, and Mass Effect Lorecast are all at robotsradio.net or on whatever podcast you're listening to right now. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week with our patrons. I'm so excited to get together with the people who have been supporting the show and talk about this game with them that we've all been binging now for like almost a month and uh and then after that we're getting to the lore stuff dave so i'm excited about that as well
1: gonna jump into the pool of lore gonna get all my star lore and <laughs> in directly into my veins you <laughs> know what it i mean in. get an artifact let it sit in my shed for a while and we're gonna do it
4: <laughs> sounds good all right thank you for being here stay safe out in that crazy universe and we'll see you next time bye everybody
1: on podcast we hope that you
3: enjoyed this
1: show did you know that parodies are copyright protected tell a friend and review on itunes or other services
4: dave and, and tom excited for Starfield. let's
1: all speculate and wear no shoes hey why aren't we wearing any shoes because shoes rhymes with itunes and that's the best i could
2: think of